church. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors. I want to welcome you to church this morning. We are glad you're here. We'd love to know that you're here with us this morning, and we'd invite you to check in. Let us know how we can be praying for you. If you'll use one of these key words, the text the phone number on the screen there, and we would love there's a place for you to put prayer requests to see what's going on in life our church, see all the things that God's doing, and just see how God's moving and what's coming up. And so just to highlight a couple things that are coming up very quickly here is next Sunday, we're going to have a family comedy and picnic day. So let me clarify. So when I say family comedy, I've heard there's going to be juggling of knives and riding unicycle, and then Pastor Dan's going to let somebody else come up and do some things, okay? So there is an opportunity that you do not want to miss on 4.30. Next Sunday, we're going to be in this room, and then immediately following that, we're going to have a picnic. And when you say picnic in Florida, that is not something that a lot of people look forward to. However, we have made it so you will enjoy it because we are going to be in the gym, sitting around tables, and the food is provided for you. So you have to come, show up, and eat food and air conditioning. That's it. So it is going to be a great opportunity for the church just to gather as a church, celebrate together, and we would love for you to be a part of that this next uh, next weekend, all right? So make sure you mark that and plan on being here for that. And then just also, we're looking for more VBS workers. Our VBS, full, our VBS time is actually full right now. We have reached our capacity for students and children, but we need more helpers and workers for VBS. So if you are available that week in July, well, 10th through the 14th, we would love for you to be a part of that. You can text the word GAME to our phone number and let us know you can help out. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to reach our community and let people know about Jesus, and that's what we want to do is let people know about Jesus. So as we continue to worship, let's pray together this morning. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in a building, Father. This building is not the church, but these people are. And your people are singing praises to your name today. Father, I pray as we lift high the name of Jesus that we would honor you, bring glory to that name that is above every name. Father, as Pastor Dan comes and opens the, the word in a few moments, Lord, I pray that you would just fill him in a way that only you can, that you would just speak through him and you would change our lives together this morning, that we would walk out of this room knowing you are God and living like it, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. We want to lead you in a new worship song this morning, and it talks about God's faithfulness, and it basically says that even when we don't see God's hand at work, he is still faithful and he is still moving in our lives. Even when we're facing difficult situations and we may not see God right in front of us, he's still faithful and he's still working, even though we may not see it. Amen? Let's stand and worship together.
Can't deny. Your name cannot be your. 
church, let's sing your name as a light. One time, let's sing your name. Every voice, every voice. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name, your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be you've done. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for destroying the darkness in our lives. Thank you for the light that we have in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? Good to see you this morning. What a great, uh, what a great day we've already had. Thanks for coming, and thanks for being a part of what God's doing here at our church. Um, this has been a, a really good week. Uh, this week we had an opportunity to uh, host an event called World Changers, and uh, World Changers is an event where. Churches and church groups and student groups come from all over the southeast. We had groups from Virginia and North Carolina and Georgia and Alabama and all these different places. They all come to one city, and they come for the purpose of a week of camp. But really, the week of camp is centered around a week of mission projects in that local community. And so this week, about 150 uh, people came to this area, and uh, and they we worshiped together, and we had a great time. They stepped, stayed here. They slept here, uh, and it was a great week, and they went out each day, and they uh, went to areas of our city, houses that had needs. One of the major things that they did was they painted houses that desperately, desperately needed painting. And so this week, that group, through your church and through your uh, faithfulness, they went out and they, uh, they painted 16 houses in our community. And so there were homeowners. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That's cool. It's good stuff. Uh, there were homeowners that were here for our worship services, and we had an opportunity to engage with them and get to know them, uh, get to know their families. And uh, it was just a great week of being able to just simply serve in the name of Jesus and make a difference in people's lives. And so it was a great week. Now, as a part of that, the goal there is not just to serve, because, you know, we say that we want to be a church that's for Deland, and we are. But we want to be a church that's for Deland for the purpose of being able to be for Jesus, to be able to share the message of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. And that's what this group did. So over the course of the week, they had an opportunity to interact with and affect and make a difference in 47 different people's lives over those 16 work projects. They also specifically and intentionally shared the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ with 12 people. And over the course of the week, there were three people people through world changers that gave their lives to Jesus this week. Is that not awesome? So, so, so good. And church, you 
are a part of that. So this is our very first year to host World Changers. We're already thinking about next year and what we can do. And trust me, we will let you know as well how you can get involved in that. It was a great week, and we really see that there are some opportunities for our church to really partner with that ministry and that week of camp in maybe a little bit more of a robust way. So we'll be letting you know about that as it comes up uh, and we get into next summer. One other thing that I do want to let you know before we jump into the scripture today is that uh, tonight uh, we will be having our Floyd family farewell. Uh, so Andrew Floyd, our student pastor who was just in front of you, uh, is, uh, has been called as the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Lake St. Louis. So he and his family are going to be moving off to Missouri. And, uh, and so we're going to be in prayer for them. And tonight is an opportunity for you to come and to just bless them and encourage them and say goodbye. Um, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate the seven years of ministry that Andrew has had uh, among us and to look forward to what we're, uh, to their future and to what God has in store for us. And so I want to encourage you to come tonight. We're going to be over in the Student Center and our Family Life Center uh, across the parking lot. We'll start at 5 o'clock, and uh, we would encourage you to come. We've marked it as 5 to 7.30, but let me just tell you, there is this particular sporting event that I know Andrew and his family are kind of engaged with at seven o'clock tonight. I know that a lot of you Florida fans are not as engaged with it as some of these LSU fans, but um, so you can wish ill on them if you want. I mean, they're leaving. So uh, uh, no, uh, but I I will say in honor of uh, the Floyd family, I'm indifferent as to who wins. Um, no, I, I spent I spent uh, seven years of my life in Louisiana, now 13 years in Florida, so I'm kind of in between, but um, I, I might be pulling for the offense. Um, I, I am, uh, but I would encourage you tonight, five o'clock, come and be a part of that. Just uh, come and, and thank Andrew. Seven years of ministry is a huge thing. Sending him off as a student pastor, I mean, as a senior pastor, sorry, made that mistake. Sending him off as a senior pastor is a huge thing. The impact that he's made in our church and in our student ministry is really powerful, so I want to great. I want you to be here and be a part of that. That's five o'clock tonight. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, Galatians chapter three. We're going to go, we're walking through the book of Galatians and I will tell you before we get started today that what we're going to read today and what we're going to deal with, this is not easy sledding. Okay, we're going to deal with some stuff that is some tough stuff today and some things that I need you to, I need you to kind of turn your thinking brain on because this is some seminary level stuff. All right. So there is great information and great uh, awareness that we have, but it is tough. This is a tough passage. So I'm going to give you where we're going to end up before we even start. Okay. So this is kind of the end of the message, if you'll just kind of follow me there. This is the conclusion we're going to reach today. The conclusion is that we gain the blessing of Abraham by obedience to the law through faith in Jesus. There are three parts to that. We gain the blessing of Abraham by obedience to the law through faith in Jesus. That is a big statement. It's so big that you're going to say it with me. Are you ready? You ready? You got your, you got your, okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. We gain the blessing of Abraham by obedience to the law through faith in Jesus. There is so much to be said about that. Now, I will tell you that that is really the the message of Galatians chapter 3. We dealt with the first nine, cha- nine verses last week. And so if you weren't here last week, you can catch up. But let me just give you a quick summary. Abraham was the one who received the, 
the promise of God that God would bless the entire world through Abraham. God said, Abraham, I want you to pick up your stuff and your family, and I want you to move to a place that you've never seen. I'm going to multiply you. You're going to become a great nation. There's going to be all these people, and I'm going to bless the entire world through you. That's kind of the first mountain peak. The second mountain peak is the mountain peak of the law. And the third mountain peak, we'll get there today, is the mountain peak of Jesus. So I want you to see that the blessing of Abraham. We talked about it last week, but it means that God is going to bless the entire world through this one man, Abraham. And then in verse 10, Paul picks up this story and he says, For all. Who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let me explain. Paul here is saying that the law, following the law, Seeing the law, reading the law, reading the rules, it doesn't lead us to success. Instead, reading the law actually leads us to realizing just how much of a failure we are. When we have the rules in front of us, God's rules, we don't get to say, well, I followed all of them. No, what we find is I actually broke a lot of them. I broke a lot of those laws. I did wrong. And it says that what God brings by the law is not life and blessing, but instead God actually brings a curse. The curse is failure. The curse is our inability to live up to that. And so he kind of exchanges that, Paul does, and he says, so you get a curse by the law, but Jesus, the Son of God, Became the curse for us. Now, if I were uh, looking at my Bible, if I had a pen in my hand, I would go back to uh, that verse 13 and I would underline the two words for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And the reason I would underline that is because it really means two things. Number one, it means that it was a gift to us. That when Christ became the curse, it was a gift to us. He, was, he gave that to us. It's kind of like if you were to take a present around Christmas and you were to write in the to section, you were to write somebody's name. That means that that present is for that person. You're giving it to them. It's a gift to them. But it also means that you have have done something in their place. You have purchased that item that is in that, and you have given it to them, which means that they don't have to buy it for themselves. So many times, you know, you you have this thing that you're wanting, you're wanting, you're wanting, you're wanting. I remember when I was a kid, I would say, oh, I want that mom, I want that mom, I want that mom. And she would say, you know, Christmas is coming. I'd be like, well, it's March. Well, it's still going to come. 
No, I, I, you know, so many times, especially when it gets close to birthdays or, or, or Christmas or those gift days, and you say, oh, I want that, they, then your parents will say, well, you know, your birthday is right around the corner. Your Christmas is almost here. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't care. I want it now, right? But what it is saying is that... You don't have to wish for that anymore. You don't have to go out and purchase that. I'm going to actually, there's going to be a substitution. You're not going to have to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price because I'm going to put it in a box and wrap it up. And I'm going to put your name on it. It is for you. Christ became the curse for us. That's a gift to us and a substitute payment on our behalf. So it is done for us. Verse 15. It says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. (laughs) Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it, is no longer, it no longer comes by the promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. You're saying, explain, pastor, that's a lot of words. I told you, this is heady stuff, okay? Basically, what Paul is saying is an agreement is an agreement is an agreement, is an agreement. A promise is a promise no matter if there's another promise made. If you make, if you make a promise to one person that you are going to be at work on time, I made a promise, I will be at work on time, then you cannot make a promise to somebody else that you will be somewhere else at the same time. Because a promise is a promise. If you make a a secondary promise that causes you to break the first promise, then you have to call it not a promise anymore. God is saying that when he makes a promise, when he makes a covenant, when he makes an agreement, he will keep it no matter what. The answer, the the understanding here is that the, the Judaizers were saying, yes, he made a promise to Abraham. But that promise was brought, was destroyed when he gave us the law. He's saying that you, there was a promise that was made, yes. But, but then the promise became something different because he gave the law. Paul is saying, uh, 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 uh. a promise is a promise is a promise. He gave a promise to Abraham and then 430 years later, he gave us the law. The law actually leads us to the promise that he gave us to, Ab- that he gave to Abraham. He is keeping his promises no matter what. You may be asking the question that Paul is asking where he says, why then the law? That's a good question. Why then? Why then the law? That would be a great question. Well, here's why. It was added because of transgressions. Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. 
But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Why the law? If, if God made a promise and said, I'm going to bless the whole world through you, Abraham, why did he have to give the law? And here's why. Because there were people that were living, that were realizing that they were doing something wrong, they just didn't know what it was. Have you ever been in one of those moments where you say, I know I don't have like the rule in front of me, but what I'm doing feels wrong. What I'm doing feels like it's like it shouldn't be. I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I lived in Texas, we uh, we were the interim pastor. I was the interim worship pastor at First Baptist Church of Glen Rose, Texas. From Fort Worth to Glen Rose was a long, flat, straight road, and the speed limit on that road was seventy-five miles per hour, and it was two lanes. And I remember the very first time we drove it, I was, I was driving along and everything was fine. And then I saw that first speed limit that said 75. And I was like, hallelujah in heaven above. And so I cranked it up to 75-ish miles per hour. I mean, you know, they always give you some grace, right? I was just, okay, here we go. And that road was long and straight and flat because we were in Texas. And then it started to go up a hill. And then it started to go around a corner. And then it started to go around another corner. And we were kind of going weaving in and out. And you know what? The speed limit never changed. And I loved it. And my wife hid her eyes. Because she was like, it just feels wrong. We shouldn't be going this fast. This is not, it's a two-lane road. We're going around curves. We're going up and down hills. We shouldn't be going that fast. I was like, I know, but we can. (laughs) Now, I realized in that moment, I actually was right by the law. But, you know, sometimes we actually have situations like that. And maybe, let's use the same example. Maybe you're driving along and you don't remember the last speed limit sign that you saw. You just don't remember. And you don't have your little GPS on, so it can't tell you how fast you're supposed to be going. And so you just kind of start pushing the limit, right? You know what I know? Every single one of us know the moment when we pass over the line of what should be the speed limit on any particular road because you've been driving long enough to know. You just know. You can't, now, there may be times that you say, well, actually the speed limit's a little lower than it should be on this road. But very, very, very rarely are you gonna drive in such a way that you think, well, I am, I am well into the speed limit. I know I am. And you're just passing cars left and right, you know? There's something inside of you that says, I know I'm wrong, even though I don't have the rule in front of me. That's what was happening between the promise of Abraham and the giving of the law by Moses. People knew that there was something wrong with the way that they were living, but they didn't have the rule right in front of them. And so Paul says, the law was given so that they would have rules that they could follow. 
so that they would have rules that they could see that were showed them what was right and what was wrong, what was good, what was bad. That was why the law was given. He talks about the scripture. Just a reminder, when Paul talks about the scripture, he is not talking about the Bible. He's talking about a particular part of the Bible. He's talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament was around because he was currently writing it. So he's talking about the scripture, the law, the things that we can look back to, the prophets and the history. He's saying those show us how bad we are. That's the law in it. And it puts everything under the, under a, 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 and it makes everything imprisoned under sin, meaning that we realize that we're not living up to what God's standard is. Verse 23. I promise we're getting to a conclusion. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. In other words, there was this, there was this, there were these chains and shackles, these, these bindings that, that did not allow people to live freedom. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law. So then, verse 24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The law was our guardian. It allowed us to know whether we were doing well or doing poorly, doing, doing things good or doing things bad, whether we were right or wrong. The law was our guardian. But now, verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Paul here is saying that there was a time that we needed the law so that we would know if we were right or wrong. That was our guardian. It was kind of the the thing that helped us to guide our lives, that helped us to do things the way we needed to do them. But now that faith has come, Now that Jesus is here, now that we can believe in Christ, now that we can give our lives to him, we don't need a guardian anymore. Instead, we have been made right with God, not through following the rules, but through believing in Jesus. He goes on to to expound on that where he he says, for as, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So when we are baptized, when we give our lives to Jesus, it's like we are immersed in his presence. And so when God sees us, he doesn't see a lawbreaker, a rule breaker. He sees Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ's, Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. He is saying that that we have the privilege of receiving and understanding and gaining the blessing of Abraham. Because we have obeyed the law through faith in Jesus. We receive and understand and, 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 and have the benefit of the blessing that God gave to Abraham. Because through faith in Jesus, we actually are obedient to the law. Doesn't mean we always act like it. But it means that he obeyed the law 
in our place, on our behalf, for us. He gave a gift to us. And when he died on the cross, and when he gave us his life, and we receive him as our Savior, we have the privilege of seeing that all of the beauty of Jesus is ours. That's why he says, those of you who are baptized into him, you receive the benefit of him. You receive him by faith. You receive who he is, and you put on Christ. Paul categorizes it this way. He says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter your foundation. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter your heritage. There's neither Jew nor Greek. You belong under Christ. There's no slave or free. Because you belong under Christ. Now, just so you understand, when when Paul said there was neither Jew nor Greek, there would have been people in the room that would have gone, Oh! What? No, it's all under Jesus. When he said there was no slave or free, there would have been more people that would have gone, no, no, it's, it's all under Jesus. But when he said there is neither male nor female, they wouldn't have just gone, they would have picked up a rock ready to stone him. And the reason was because the distinction between male and female in this day was vast. Males were highly elevated and females were highly despised. Almost treated as property. Aren't you glad that the Bible is what the Bible is? One of the the profound things about the word of God is its elevation. It's bringing to equality Male and female. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I just want to be sure that you understand this. This is not a social construct where Paul is talking about gender. That's not what he is saying. He is simply saying that under Christ, it's not about whether you're a male believer in Jesus or a female believer in Jesus. You're just a believer in Jesus. That's all that matters. That's all that he is trying to lead us to. And it is a beautiful thing that Jesus in his ministry would elevate the value of of women, would elevate the value of females. He does that here. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. We are all one. We are all equal under Jesus Christ. We receive the blessing of Abraham by obedience to the law through faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, we receive that blessing of God through faith in Jesus we are made right with God we are made right with God do you realize that not by your actions not by your behavior not by your doing everything right but simply by believing in Jesus you are made right with God you are righteous you are holy You are pure. You are justified. You are ready for heaven because of faith in Jesus. Faith is a powerful thing. It is not something to be dismissed. Faith can be 
the most powerful thing in our lives. I was reminded as I was thinking about this and preparing this message, I was reminded of a passage from Hebrews chapter 11. It's many times been called the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 starts like this. It says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction, the guarantee, the absolute certainty, the conviction of things that I can't even see. It is absolute knowing that that there is truth, that there are things that I can hope for, and I know that they're true. And even though I can't see everything, I believe it, and I trust it. In that chapter, it talks about the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry ground, Joshua and the Israelites surrounding Jericho and the walls coming down, Rahab, the prostitute there in Jericho, hiding the spies and and making sure that the people of, of God have a way into that great walled city. And then towards the end of the chapter, the writer of Hebrews begins to say, he says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. The women received back their dead by resurrection. Now, up to this point, all of the readers of the book of Hebrews, they would be reading in such a way that they would basically be saying, oh yeah, we know that story. Oh yeah, we know that story. Oh yeah, we know that story. But then there's something that happens in the middle of verse 38. He says, some were tortured. And they say, wait a minute, we don't know that story. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging. And the people, the, the readers of Hebrews would say, wait, we don't, oh, wait a minute. I think we do know that story, but it's not a story that we've been told. It's a story that we've lived. We were mocked and we were flogged. It says, and even chains and imprisonment, they were stoned. They say, we know those people. They were sawn in two. We actually know those people. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The the readers of Hebrews would be reading these words saying, we know those people because those people are me. I've gone through that. I've been mistreated. I've been destitute. I have wandered the desert. I have been dressed in in animal skins because I didn't have any clothes. I, I have experienced all of those things. He says in verse 39, and all these, all these, all the people that he mentioned in that hall of faith, Moses and Noah and Jacob and Joseph, and all of these that would have related to the people that were reading them, and all these, though commended through their faith, though they were good and though God did great things, though they were commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, for us, for me, for you, for, for, for the writer of Hebrews, for the ones that were reading this, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. 
So in other words, it is only with the ones who can believe in Jesus that we are made perfect. It is only through belief in Jesus that we are made perfect. And he goes on, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded by people like Moses, since we've seen the example of people like Noah and Abraham and, A- and A- Abel, and, and since we have seen the faith of, of, of Joshua and Jacob, since we've seen the faith of those who have gone before us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the author, the beginner, the starter, the initiator, and the perfecter, the accomplisher of our faith, who for the joy, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised its shame, and he sat down at the place of honor, the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary, so that you may not grow faint-hearted. Here's the thing that I want you to hear today. Do not become weary of doing good. Do not become weary of living a life of faith. Friends, the world that we live in today, the world that we walk in today, is not a world that celebrates our faith. We must recognize that we walk in a place that will oppress and persecute and cast aside the belief that we have. But do not grow weary. Do not grow weary. Instead, consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility so that you will not grow weary and you will not grow faint of heart. He is there. He is your Savior and he welcomes you. He invites you into a relationship with him. You cannot live up to him. So he came down to you and he gives his life for you so that you can have the blessing of God from Abraham, believing in the law through Jesus because you have put your faith in him, the one and only son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for encouraging us. Help us to live it out. Father, we are grateful and we pray, God, that you would allow us to come to grips with the immensity of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you, Father, for the beauty of your word and for the beauty of the blessing that you gave to Abraham that we receive, not through our own doing, but through just simply believing in Jesus. Help us, Father, to live that out in our lives every day. 
We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song that simply proclaims that no matter what we have faced, no matter what circumstances we've been through, that we know through the resurrection of Jesus, we can experience the life that he wants for us. Proclaim this and let it be your song today. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. 